Welcome to the Reconciliation in the Early Years, Yarning with Joe and Adam podcast series. Together with Adam Duncan and Joe Goodwin, we'll draw on their experience and professional perspectives on some of the key obstacles faced by educators surrounding reconciliation in the early childhood education and care sector. On behalf of the team, I want to acknowledge that we are meeting virtually on unceded land. Genevieve and I are working on Ngunnawal and Ambri country, and Joe is on Kujungbara country. We pay our most profound respects to the elders who have been custodians of these places since time immemorial, and to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander colleagues listening. Well, hello and welcome back to our Early Childhood Australia podcast series. My name is Genevieve Jacobs. I'm a journalist, broadcaster and your host for this series. And I'm yarning with early childhood educators, Adam Duncan and Joe Goodwin, as we explore reconciliation and how it connects with the early childhood learning experience. And today we're focusing on the theme from this year's Reconciliation Week, which is Be Brave, Make Change. And what that means for early childhood educators. Adam and Joe are both Aboriginal teachers. Adam's a Biripai man from the Manning River up on the New South Wales North Coast. And he brings his experience as an early childhood educator, storyteller, educational consultant and artist to his work with ECA's Reconciliation Advisory Group. Joe is a descendant of the Wanarua peoples and she has an enormous amount of experience in this space in the early childhood profession, working nationally with a range of not-for-profits and governments to lead innovative programs for children and for families and communities. And she co-chairs the Reconciliation Advisory Group and is also a regular contributor in ECA publications. And for both of them, there's a strong focus on amplifying Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children's voices. And look, I, I want to start this conversation with what you both think that theme means for early childhood education and care. Maybe Adam to you first, what's the challenge to be brave and make change in this space? How do you respond to that theme yourself? Sure thing. I think the most important aspect of this is the bravery aspect for me. There are lots of aspects to reconciliation work in early childhood education and care that, as we spoke about last episode, focus on really positive, really practical, really exciting elements of working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children and, and bringing the culture into the classroom. I think the bravery aspect of the theme this year is probably the most important one for me, taking into account that, like we spoke about last episode, tendency for early childhood education and care teachers and educators to focus on culture in the classroom. That's the really lovely aspect of the work of working in the reconciliation space. In terms of bravery, I feel like it's about connecting the uplifting and and wonderful elements of our teaching time with young children with those kind of harder aspects that we've spoken about in earlier episodes also. Being brave enough to stand up for what we believe in and bring our own passion for the work is what it means to me mostly. Okay, Joe, let me go to you. It's a really interesting and challenging theme, this one, be brave, make change, because as Adam's touched on there, it's quite a personal laying down of the gauntlet as to how you approach your work. How do you respond to that with your particular sector with early childhood? Yeah, I, mean, I agree with Adam. Being brave is the biggest part of it. And I think in the early childhood space, as, as early childhood practitioners, it's about acknowledging where you are as opposed to where you want to be or where you think you should be. It's about really thinking about 
Well, first of all, reflecting, and I think I've said this in earlier episodes, about your own knowledge base and where you're at, but I, I think it's about the individuals, the families, the communities and the organisations in which we work for. What's going on in that space? How meaningful is our work? What are we doing here? You know, there's a lot of talk about understanding the true history of Australia, and I think that's a really important part of, of being brave. I mean, being brave is often supporting sometimes not the most popular opinion or stance. And often when I'm thinking about being brave, I think some of the times that I've had to be my the bravest is when I've called out bias or what I bigotry or racism in the work environment and prejudice. So they're the things that I consider being brave. But it, And in the early childhood setting, it's about when you're considering about where are you at, that's also including your families and the community in which you your service is in. What is it, you know, where are we? Where should we begin? What is going to be meaningful for us? And it could be simply putting up a reconciliation poster, you know, the Be Brave Make Change with some history around how Reconciliation Week came to be may indeed be the bravest thing that you absolutely can do in your service. Or it may be for another service that the bravest thing that they actually can be doing is putting their hand up to actually, instead of just attending a community event, participating and providing a experience at a community event, becoming, taking that next step to be more connected to the community. So bravery comes in all different shapes and sizes and all different forms. And I think as you probably touched on there, Joe, it's important to recognise that the reconciliation journey is very different for everyone. As we discussed in that first episode, you can come up against a lot of quite complicated responses and emotions around National Reconciliation Week. And Joe, just wondering about your thought. We've touched a lot on the need to to listen openly and actively and respectfully in this space. Yeah, absolutely. I've been listening just in the past six months to, a, to there's a group of very confident young Aboriginal, I'm going to call them entrepreneurs. They're changing the narrative. They're, they're challenging things. They're, you know, they're a group of, they're artists, they're podcasters, if that's the correct terminology. I'm not sure what it is, but, and they're really challenging how the conversation, what the conversation is in the country, and they are doing it respectfully. They're doing it from the stance of, we actually have a place here. We, we have a right to be here. We have a right for our voices to be heard. And you're going to hear our voices and sometimes our voices may offend you, but our voices are only offending you because we're telling you truth that's been hidden from you for such a long time. So I really admire that approach and I think it's great because these people are in their 20s to 30s and then I think about our young children because they were grown up a different way to which Adam and I were grown up different time in the nation and so then I think about well and if these guys are really paving the way to have your voice out there and be young and confident and challenging some of the myths and misconceptions that are out there imagine the work that we do now with our young children they are just going to be on fire you hope so that's a wonderful wonderful outcome if they are on fire as a consequence of this work and I guess Adam that takes to us to some of the practical ways that educators can be brave and make sustained and lasting change inside your sector. I mean, talk to me about what you've seen work well and, and maybe why. First and foremost, I'd like to mention the benefits and the empowering nature of getting involved with your local community. 
I'm in here in the ACT and we have a lot of different cultural institutions here. We have strong cultural representation from community, both local, Ngunnawal community, but also strong Aboriginal voices from all around Australia come to Canberra and are, and are here in different capacities. First and foremost, I'd like to suggest that any early childhood education and care service educators, teachers, get involved with their local communities, whether that's bringing people into you or making yourself available for events within the community. We can put a lot of pressure on our community members and that can be a bit of a problem, especially when we're making this call to action to actually get involved. I think the most important thing I think I'd like to highlight is that any interaction with your community needs to be mutually beneficial. We have a tendency to ask a lot of our people and coming in, especially if you're new in the space or feel new in the space or are unknown to your community, kind of blowing in and making lots of requests and demands on on the community members can be a bit problematic. But I think that's probably the most foundational move I think I want to see professionals in the early learning space make is go out and make those connections forge those relationships, get involved, help where you can, and hopefully it's a mutually beneficial situation for you as well. And Joe, that just speaks to the whole reconciliation journey in so so many ways, actually, that we've just got to get beyond that thing of saying, I know, I'll find an Aboriginal person and invite them in and they will just do that work for me. The lasting, lengthy work of building community networks and making that part of your educational practice exactly as Adam is saying, is the much longer lasting and much deeper engagement and in lots of ways the the fairer engagement too, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. good rule of thumb when engaging with community is that you should be giving more to community than what you're taking from. And I think if early childhood educators think about that and think, do I have a relationship? Have I invested in this relationship? What's my investment been? Am I making a meaningful contribution to the community? Am I listening to the voice of community? And when I am asking, am I asking in a way in which is going to contribute to community as opposed to take from? I think they're really important considerations because Adam is correct. There's some key members of community that do receive a lot of requests, but a lot of the work that can happen prior to reconciliation. Reconciliation shouldn't just be we celebrate it for what, from the 27th of May to the, I want to say, 3rd of June, something along those lines. It should be every day of the year where we're thinking about how am I advancing my knowledge base and my understanding. And there's some arguments out there that it's about non-Aboriginal people truly understanding the true history of the colonial history and to be reminded of that and the impacts of that and to understand that. And if everyone in this nation could do that, we actually would have a more reconciled nation than what we currently have. <laughs> well, indeed, and, and that would be amazing. And, of course, it's just it's a difficult road to walk sometimes when people are just entering into this space. I think that's why we sort of need to say, look, form the long-term relationships Don't just make this something that's external that you kind of bung on for Reconciliation Week. Reconciliation Week is something that points to a whole year of thinking and activities. Let's talk about sort of things that do work well in the classroom, practical things that you can do. And Adam, beyond the sort of the the values and ideas we've just been discussing, 
What would you suggest to early childhood teachers who are thinking, I really want to do this, but I just don't even know where to start? I think the most important thing, at least in my classroom, has been the use of authentic and meaningful Aboriginal stories and other resources that I have been able to implement across my curriculum. We have an increasing number of really great children's stories written by Aboriginal authors. And I think if educators are able to use a critical lens to decide what is and isn't valuable in their teaching, that's probably the first port of call I would suggest is reaching out and building a collection, a library of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander authored picture books, sustained writing for professional learning purposes. I think it's a really great way to engage children in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspectives that you might otherwise not have access to. That being said, there's also a plethora of art resources. We could just purely bringing in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art into your space would be a, a, a good starting point, but also engaging with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander music, which is we have no shortage of, and there's some really great challenging and meaningful musical resources out there as well. Joe, what about you? What have you found practically useful as a starting point for Reconciliation Week for this particular kind of theme? Look, one of the biggest things, people will have heard this from me in the past, but it's examining your unconscious bias and being mindful and conscious of what you bring into the space when you're thinking about Aboriginal history, people and families and communities. I think that acknowledging that we all have biases and trying to really get to what yours are and then you understand the intersect between these biases and your early childhood practice and how they can impact on that. I think it's a very brave thing to do because in order to do that, you've actually got to admit that you do have some unconscious bias. So you've actually got to stop and be very mindful about the reactions that you're having when certain things are said or done or when children raise topics or when families, what family contributions they bring into the space. So I think stopping in and doing that is probably the best starting point for anyone wherever they are in their journey of reconciliation is to really think about, well, what do I truly believe in this space and how do those beliefs translate into my practice and what do I need to be aware of about what messaging I might be sending out there? And Adam, I guess, you know, reconciliation is a long journey. We're not there yet. That brings us back again to this idea of sitting with some discomfort, doesn't it? And that being okay. And educators asking themselves honest questions, thinking quite profoundly about the framework in which this education is occurring, that that everyone has to have a good hard look at themselves. Absolutely. I think just what Joe touched on then made me think about our conversation about January 26th. I think it's really important to highlight in regards to this conversation about discomfort and again touch on this with the uh, looking at the theme for Reconciliation Week this year. It's an uncomfortable space for Aboriginal people as well. Like a lot of this stuff, a lot of these calls to action, I feel like need a slight. The subtext is is not that it's easy for Aboriginal people. So I feel like it's reasonable for us to make these suggestions and it's reasonable to have these conversations and be uncomfortable together because everyone's uncomfortable. It's not about us knowing the way and 
especially in a situation like this, Joe and I are not here having these conversations with you, Genevieve, to suggest that Joe and I are all across it and we've got it under control and it's all hunky-dory for us. It's about exposing ourselves and understanding our bias in the same way we expose our biases in our passion for reconciliation work, coming up against families that are reluctant to allow or, you know, very vocal about the way we teach about reconciliation in our spaces. We have to critically reflect on the fact that our bias lies with pro-reconciliation education. Sure. You know, we, we have to understand that, the, again, it goes back to that conversation about January 26th. I feel lucky to have gotten to a point in my life where I feel comfortable in understanding that it's okay that other people don't agree with me that the date should be changed and we absolutely shouldn't be needing to have the conversation anymore. I, From a rational standpoint, I understand that that is my bias. And my bias is no more or less relevant to the conversation than someone who's very pro-celebration of Australia Day. I guess that's what we want to achieve with this theme in Reconciliation Week generally is that it should be a place where we can start open and honest conversations with each other. Those conversations can take place in the early childhood learning space, in classrooms. We also hope they take place around people's kitchen tables, in the car on the way to and from school, that they happen in the playground, that this is a conversation that we all engage on together so that for every single one of us, we are being brave, we are making change, we're working towards a better future. Great to talk to both of you about this as always. Adam and Joe, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.